At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Would you build a house without a foundation? Would you have a child and not name it? Would you let a stranger squat on your property? No, of course not. So why should the Internet be any different? Every week, speak with top domain experts. Learn how to make money with domains. Know your legal rights. Each week, join our expert host to be master of your domain. Right here on Domain Masters. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's show of Domain Masters. I'm Monty Khan, your host. Uh, we have a great show tonight. Um, I have uh, Ari Goldberger, uh, who's going to be joining us in a little bit. Ari is uh, uh, one an- another domain legal expert. Um, we've been hearing some feedback, and I've received a bunch of emails that uh, people want to hear more about legal issues regarding domains and um, what's going on in the web these days. So uh, Ari is one of the top experts along with Howard New and John Berryhill and Stephen Lieberman and, and so forth. And uh, every one of these attorneys uh, specialize in, in a little bit different aspects of domain law. And uh, Ari prides himself on uh, a lot of uh, decisions that go in his favor for his clients uh, for domain names uh, that are challenged uh, by corporations and by um, uh, individuals. And uh, he also represents companies that are trying to get their domain names back. And uh, a lot of reverse domain hijacking decisions. And uh, there's a real famous one that he just uh, he just was in charge of that we're going to talk about tonight uh, called mess.com. Uh, in addition, um, Ari has a lot of knowledge in the pay-per-click space and uh, hostage domains and um, getting good title domains, and we're going to talk about each of those issues tonight. Uh, after uh, Ari, we've got um, uh, Ron Jackson from DN Journal coming back on the show. Uh, if you'll remember, we, uh, we haven't had him on for a while. We're going to update what's been going on in domain name sales for the uh, first couple months of the year and talk about uh, one of his new cover stories, which is um, focusing on some of the women of the web. And uh, some of the people that have been successful that are that are women in uh, in our space, and it's uh, it's a great article on their cover story at tnjournal.com. We're going to talk about that tonight. So we're going to break in uh, to pay some bills uh, for some commercials, and we'll be back right on with uh, Ari Goldberg. Stay tuned. A rose by any other name would still be the same. 
move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN-accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R.com. More than a name. Attention webmasters. Wish you could convert more web traffic into cash? No need to rub a lamp. Just click on GenieKnows.com. Install a co-branded search box on your site or incorporate paid listings XML into search results. And at your command, GenieKnows.com pays cash for each result your users click on. Enjoy prompt payment and superior customer service. Earn even more through our co-branded referral program. Genie knows how to deliver results. G-E-N-I-E-K-N-O-W-S.com. Proud sponsor of the Webmaster World. Over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Study show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well-written, informative content. High-quality content also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearchMedia.com today. Commercials off. Now back to Domain Masters. Hi, everyone. Welcome back uh, to the show. Uh, Monty Khan with Domain Masters. If anybody hasn't logged in yet, please go to Webmaster Radio, log into the chat room. Uh, there's a lot of people uh, joining on and a lot of chat going on, so uh, I'm sure uh, there'll be a good area for you guys to post some questions. Um, Ari is online in there, and he can answer some questions as well, and uh, so can I. So my first guest, as I introduced before, is Ari Goldberger, um, a domain name legal specialist, another great attorney in our industry that's, uh, that uh, handles a lot of cases for my clients, and um, we uh, we actually have had a relationship, or I have personally with Ari, uh, going way back a uh, um, couple years, and that's how our paths have crossed. Uh, how are you doing, Ari? Great. Pleased to be here. Thank you for joining us, and I thought it was a great idea to have you on board and invited you on today because we get a lot of... Uh, been getting a lot of feedback from our uh, listeners that uh, they want to hear more about the legal issues, and uh, you're uh, you're one of the best attorneys in the uh, in the industry to talk to, and you have a lot of interesting things going on. So I thought you'd be a great guest to have on tonight. Well, thanks, I appreciate that. And we uh, we got have a kind of an interesting pass, pa- uh, path as uh, pass as well. Um, uh, uh, Ari used to work for uh, Mail.com as their VP of uh, Business Development, correct? That's correct. Yeah, and we represented some of their names for sale, and I remember we were in a kind of a little pickle. Uh, we we were. Uh, representing the sale of world.com at the time. This was uh, going back several years, and world.com came back and said, hey, what the hell are you doing trying to sell world.com? We have uh, trademark rights over that. Remember that uh, case? Yeah, that was a funny case. You yeah. know, um, you know, in the end, uh, that case was ultimately settled by all parties. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, WorldCom is... Uh, you know, it's had, had had more important things to deal with, I guess, or, or bigger fish. Yeah, like going bankrupt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, the domain name remained. Um, that was a domain name that was owned by a company for years. Actually, uh, a, a guy in Boston who uh, ran one of, who claims to have run one of the first ISPs from the '80s had that uh, domain name, and the I think the ISP was called the World. 
But, uh, yeah, we, we, we do have an interesting history on, on that domain. Nick. Yeah, definitely. So uh, it brought us to, together in the past. I mean, we knew each other before then when we were, uh, when you were at Mail and stuff, but uh, that was an interesting way that we got to meet each other. And uh, since then, um, you know, you've been taking care of a lot of our customers and a lot of their cases. And, God, you have a, a slew of uh, wins in terms of, uh, you know, case decisions with uh, WIPO and UDRP process, the reverse domain hijacking decisions, and one of the most, uh, I guess, the most famous blatant case case uh, that you've just been involved in is uh, is a, a domain name case uh, involving mess.com. Yeah, that was a real interesting thing. Let me just say, of, of course, that I only I only list my the uh, victories on the website. Um, there are losses. I don't put them up. They're not as interesting. Uh, however, I still have a, a, a pretty good uh, uh, win to loss ratio. I win, I win more than I lose. But I uh, just wanted to just wanted to uh, um, make that clear. Um, yeah, mess was a a very very interesting case because um, this is a situation where my client owned the domain name mess.com and somebody went out and got a trademark for mess.com you know clearly the idea was to uh, try and hijack the name you know with a trademark and this was an interesting case because it, 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 it raised the issue is you know how important how valuable is a trademark is it, is it is the fact that you have a domain name meaningless can someone just you know go out and get mess.com or uh, you know or, or any generic word.com and and, and and take that and it's a scary thing because I think one thing I think any domain domain owner should do is go out and see if their valuable domain names have trademarks that other people have have registered, either perhaps before the domain name owner registered the domain name or or after, as was the case with uh, mess.com. Right. In fact, I know of at least one other case where a client of mine has a domain name and someone else went and got a trademark after the fact and is actually running a business under that dot com. I don't want to say what it is, but let's just say it's bottles.com. Right, right. Uh, and they actually have a store called bottles.com, even though they don't have the domain name. And, you know, the fear is, you know, they're going to eventually come, come back in, in, in five years uh, and, and try and take that name. That's why this case was really important. The, it was one of those nice cases where the facts were just so tailor-made for a reverse domain name hijacking victory for us. In this case, I actually was representing the client back in 2000 when the uh, the first facts of this case were born. Now, let, before yep. you go on, let me yeah. ask you a question about what did the what was the trademark filed for under um, you know USPT.gov? Mess.com. Yeah, what was the was, description was, of the mark? You know, website design. Oh, it was okay. a website design firm called Mess.net. Oh, and I see. I see. So they went in, um, registered the domain name mess.com in an effort after the .com was already registered in an effort to try to to hold this as a, hey, we have the trademark. Here's the here's the issue, and they little did they know that you were going to be uh, the the attorney involved in and uh, proving this uh, this whole debacle. Exactly. I mean, the reason what, how it initiated was they contacted my client to buy the domain name back in 2000. Oh, I see. They said, hey, you know. Uh, We'd like to buy your domain name. And my client gave them a number that they weren't happy with, and that was the end of it. So we thought. Four years later, this case gets filed. And, and what do we learn? Number one, they try to use the fact that uh, my client gave them a price that, um, that they could offer to purchase the domain name against them. And, you know, everyone's, see, everyone's seen that. A you know, trademark owner calls up and says, hey, can I buy the domain name? And you give them a price and they use it against you. Right, right. Uh, but what's worse is that on the very day that 
the that they sent that email, they also filed for that trademark application for mess.com the same day, oh, which wow. made it real nice for us to argue, hey, this is there's no coincidence here. This was this registration of the domain name was part of their effort to to get the domain name and uh, they represented that they had been using the domain name since 1996, which was peculiar because that's when they started operating the mess.net website. And it was, it's peculiar. Why would someone that operates a business called mess.net have a domain name at mess.com? I mean, I have a trademark called mess.com. I mean, why would you want people to go to mess.com? It's just completely illogical and, you know, just, it just um, settled the, the argument very well. Right. That's for a- us. Right, that's a that's a, that's a uh, unusual case. So you're able to go back research when all this put together, and so when the panelists came up with their decision, they made it pretty pretty blatantly clear that um, this was a misuse of of what they're supposed to be doing in terms yes. of citing domain law. Yes, the conclusion was that it was actually the worst, the most egregious uh, case of reverse domain name hijacking that any of the three panelists had seen. It was so clear that there was no real evidence of use of this mark, mess.com, by the trademark owner, that they had made that fact up and that they had uh, applied for a mark solely to steal a domain name. And it's nice, you know, it's nice when, when you get a case that's so strongly uh, in favor of the domain o- domain owner when there's so many cases that, you know, rail against uh, domain cyber squatters, etc. Now, now in this particular case, does the panel have, uh, you know, this is a good, interesting thing to let people uh, know about. When there is such a blatant case of misuse of a panel like this, what kind of penalty can the complainant um, receive for, you know, a clear violation of, um, you know, this particular protocol? That's a good, that's a good question. Unfortunately, the... ICANN doesn't empower uh, anyone under the UDRP to issue any type of penalty against the domain name owner or against the trademark owner. Um, the only power they have is to transfer a domain name. Uh, it is possible to file a case afterwards uh, under the uh, Anti-Cyber-Squatting Consumer Protection Act seeking uh, damages for reverse domain name hijacking, but um, that's that's an expensive process for the domain name owner to undertake, and it's unclear, you know, what sort of damages would be awarded. You know, if, if the damages are your cost of hiring a lawyer to file file a UDRP to, to respond to the UDRP, those the damages are probably not going to exceed what your cost of filing the uh, the complaint in court would be. Right, right. Now, getting, you know, I'm just interested, and there looks like there's a couple questions on the on the on the chat board. Why, what would give the examiners any kind of um, why would why was this even why was this name even approved from a trademark standpoint? I mean, most generic names are not anyway. But were you able to look into why this was in fact approved as a trademark? Well, you know, when you say most generic names aren't approved, it's not. It's first of all, no no generic name can get approved as a trademark. People throw the word generic around um, rather loosely um, in the domain in the domain channel. Right. Pe- people use generic kind of as a uh, synonym for the, for common for common word. I mean, mess is a common word, but mess in trademark terms is only generic if it's used in a way if it's used if it's to describe generic, a product or right. service that means mess. Right. So, right. for example, Apple is a generic word if it's used as a trademark to sell apples. Right. But in fact, the way that 
Apple computer uses it is because the computer has nothing to do with apples. It's a very strong trademark. It's an arbitrary trademark. It's not generic at all. So in this particular case, the web designer, I would say, was using this not in a generic fashion. They were using it in an arbitrary, fanciful fashion, which is easily granted as a trademark. The trick was, well, mess.com. The trademark office should have been alert to the, the fact that, well, mess.com looks like a an address and what's happening at that address. And they should have looked into that. They didn't, and that's why the trademark was granted. Um, I think you know it would be nice if there was a, if there was an understanding of the trademark office that you don't get a trademark for something .com if you don't own that domain name because it's unfair to the domain name owner. Right. But uh, now you've had a lot of interesting, uh, a lot of other cases though. Uh, what's like the what's like the one of the top cases that you were able to win, and um, you know some of the more interesting cases that you were you were able to win out of your list of uh, decisions. That's a good question. Let me. Uh, you think about well, that. Heck, well, heck, I, I, I see one is your own name, which is uh, oh yeah, which is Esquire. Yeah, Esquire was dot com. So that's got to be interesting. <laughs> I mean, well, Esquire, you know that that's a phenomenal case because that is the case that got me into this whole industry. Uh, you know, prior to I was not an intellectual property or internet lawyer to start. I was a uh, just a basic litigation attorney at a big firm in, in Philadelphia called Pepper Hamilton. You mean one of the types of attorneys that most people don't like? Exactly. Oh, I see. Exactly. <laughs> Believe it or not, there are people that don't like this attorney as well, I guess particularly if they're on the other side. But, um, yeah, I, I was working as a defense lawyer, and it wasn't really what I had planned on doing. I always kind of wanted to be the attorney. I wanted to be out on my own. But... Um, did well in law school, and the big firm was the place to go at the time, and I was kind of just kind of learning there. Um, but all along, I had wanted to go out on my own, and one of the ideas I had was having a, a network for lawyers, a computer network for lawyers, for other people like myself to operate on their own, but to have an infrastructure. And this was before people knew about the Internet or the information highway. There was CompuServe. There was AOL, and that's about it. And my idea was to create kind of an AOL for lawyers. And the name that I came up with was Esquire. At the time, we weren't really talking wireless, and wire was the thing. You know, you're wired. Right. So I called it Esquire, a fun play on the term. And I, I really didn't even think of Esquire magazine. I, I didn't even know that it, that, that it was still being published, to tell you the truth. And I, I, I actually filed for a trademark for Esquire, E-S-Q-Wire, way before I ever got a domain name because I didn't even know what domain names were at the time. Right, right. And I got the trademark, and it went through the approval process, and uh, after it was approved, I get this, you know, I'm, all, I'm pretty excited. Then I get a letter in the mail saying that someone's opposing my trademark, and it was the Hearst Corporation that owns Esquire magazine. And, you know, that lawsuit changed my life. It was a wonderful thing because it... It, uh, it, gave, it, it initiated a lot of publicity for the case. And it was right around the same time that people started talking about the Internet. And I remember there was a friend of mine that said, hey. Now, what year, what year was this? This was 1996. Oh, okay. So right, right when I got into domain names then. Yeah, it was, sorry about that interruption there. I thought I had Do Not Disturb on. Um, Put that phone on meeting, will you? Let me see what I can do here. <laughs> so... Um, Somebody told me, hey, you need to go out and get a domain name. You need to call this company called Internic and, 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 and get your domain. So I you know, called up, and I was pleased to find out that Esquire 
Um, was available. And when Hearst learned that I registered the domain name, they then filed an action against me in federal court in New York. At the time, I was living in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. So here I am in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, operating a website from Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and Hearst sues me in New York saying, you know, we, we have jurisdiction over you in New York because we can access your website in New York. And, you know, I remembered from law school there's this thing called jurisdiction. You can't just sue somebody anywhere. They have to actually step into the state. And, you know, I argued I'm not stepping into New York just because you can access my website. You can access my website anywhere in the world. Does that mean I'm subject to jurisdiction? And this was actually a landmark issue. And uh, ultimately the court ruled in my favor and held, you know, no jurisdiction uh, in New York. Um, after that, Hearst and I settled the case, um, and, and, and we parted ways. I, I was and you ended to, up with the name, I guess. Pardon so. me, I got the name, and the only thing I couldn't do was have the kind of racy stories that Esquire.com has. <laughs> but I could do basically whatever I wanted. And that was nice. Now, but, uh, did you have to, when you settled the case, I mean, can you share with us, did you have to, did you have to pay him out, or, you know, what, what, what's, what's yeah, that the was details? Yeah, com- that's it? confidential. Oh, okay. That's confidential. In fact, yeah. So if you tell me, you might have to, you might have to kill me then. Exactly. Exactly. I okay. wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> they might have to. But actually, you know, I, I pretty much have told you everything that I can tell you about the settlement. And, um, you know, I was pleased. And, you know, the ironic thing was that because Esquire.com got all this publicity and there were a lot of other domain name disputes, I decided, hey, you know, why don't I do this? Also, at the same time, uh, Mail.com, which was then known as iName, heard about my case. And they said, hey, listen, you know, we own a lot of domain names. How'd you like to come to work for us? Right. That, that sounds us. great. You know, Internet Company, New York. I was in, uh, I was in Cherry Hill and uh, commuted to New York for, for four months, working at this little company. I left this huge law firm with a secretary, big infrastructure, mailroom to go work for this tiny little company. I shared an office with three guys. Uh, we couldn't hear ourselves when we were talking on the phone because everybody was blabbing in this tiny little office. And, you know, that, that, that 12-person company became a 600-person company. We went public, and uh, it, was, it was a great thing, and all because of this domain name dispute. So, um, so I picked the right one from your list to talk absolutely. about because it, it not only educated you about uh, uh, more like Internet law, you know, Internet domain law but um, but also uh, it, it has to do with your has to do your be your brand name exactly you know it, it just gave birth to all this so I'm forever thankful to um, the Hearst corporation and uh, and you know you know it, it's worth fighting I remember being out with somebody and talking about my case and he said, you know why are you bothering why are you fighting you know why and you know I, I, it was just an important thing to me and right. uh, it, it ended up Ended up working out, so well, that's great. Cause, you got to uh, fight. You got to fight when it when it's right. At the same time, um, there are a lot of times where there's a domain name dispute where it's not worth fighting, and you always have to evaluate the cost of a domain name dispute, the cost of losing, the cost of. Um, just the cost of a negative decision. Negative decision out there could be used against you in other cases. I know, Monty, that's something that, that you're very concerned about for your clients. Yeah, I mean, actually, I recommend to my clients that if they have any any kind of um, feelings towards the domain name whatsoever, uh, it's, and they get a complaint, is to contact an attorney like yourself, you know, contact Ari or contact a John Berryhill, contact these guys and, and Howard New, and because what it does is it not only sets a precedence for you, but it sets a precedence for all your other domain buddies, you know, because they can use these cases against you and against and, and the more that you lose the more ammo it is for other um, you know other uh, decisions to be made especially if you don't show up to the to the game 
Right, absolutely. And there are also ways to bow out and get out even when the case is being responded to, um, um, even sometimes with uh, the company that's filing the dispute against you, getting a little bit, uh, paying you a little bit of money for it. Right, it happens. It happens I, with with WIPA, for example. If a case is settled, the um, complainant gets a thousand dollar refund. So the complainant's always very happy to settle that sort of a case, and maybe some of that thousand dollars can be shared with um, with the respondent. Right, right. So you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of um, you know. I, I try to tell everybody and educate them at least on our customer side and everywhere that, I, that we participate in forums and especially on this radio show when we cover this issue that it's not good to just not answer the case because it always, you know, most always, as a matter of fact, I've never heard of a case that's actually gone in favor of the domain holder if they have never responded. There yeah. are a couple. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure there, there was is a couple. One. There was uh, one. I know of at least one. I know there's a couple. Um, StMoritz.com. The original StMoritz.com decision um, went in favor of the domain owner even though no response was filed. Really? Um, well, yeah. and, and what was the, what was the basis on that? Why did they win? Yeah, why uh, did they win without a response? Well, com- it's a common word. Um, the the panelist was nice enough to go take a look at the website and saw that there was a website up that was about stmoritz.com. Oh. The amazing thing was that uh, the complainant filed, the ca- filed another UDRP complaint two years later um, saying facts, the facts had changed. It was a different owner. When, in fact, it was really the same owner, but they kind of operated under a different name. And I actually represented the owner in the second com case, and we won that case as well. Oh, wow, that's great. Yeah. That's um, great. Well, I guess my point is is that it rarely happens. Uh, it I does, guess. absolutely. It's rarely. When, if you do not file a response, the um, panel is entitled to accept all of the complainant's allegations as true. Right. Right, and I, you know it's the rare. It's like instance. you're not showing up for your for your trial, you know, in case you're on trial for something, you can't even argue in your favor, and you know you, you definitely have a number of um, a number of hurdles and a number number of things against you if you don't show. That's right. <laughs> it's the rare occasion where you get a nice panelist that will actually, you know, look into the facts if there's not if there's not a response, and yeah, it's very dangerous not to respond. Right. Um, don't don't just throw these things in the trash. Deal with them as early as possible. All right. Good. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, pay-per-click infringement. Um, yeah, that's that, another. That, Tell, there's a lot of domainers online, actually, in listening that um, that use PPC revenue search pages, and obviously you're very informed in that business as well, having domain names yourself. And so let's talk about those issues, what, right. what, to, what to be conscious of, what to look out for, how the industry is potentially going to change for that. Absolutely. Well, you know... It, Pay-per-click and domain names is, a, is you know is a marriage made in heaven. It's very lucrative. People typing in a particular domain name, looking for a particular type of product or service. You own that domain name. You put links associated with that with that um, with that product or service. People click on the links. You get a share. It's it's a great business. Everybody knows that. That's that's the that's the business that's that's powering the whole value of you know the upswing in the value of domain names over the past couple of years. However, you need to be very very careful. Um, if you have a domain name, even if it's a generic domain name, okay, you need to be careful that you're not putting up pay-per-click ads that relate to trademarks for that term. For example, let's just say you owned Apple.com or even Apples.com. Mm-hmm. You would not want to have ads for Dell computers 
or even Apple computers or Macintosh or Hewlett Packard or whatever. It's very risky because then the trademark owner can file a complaint against you and argue, hey, you know, the, this person is you're misleading. You're misleading my customers, or where you're misleading my customers that are looking for me. You're obviously trying to play, you know, make money off of my mark. So it's common sense. Um, now, now here's the challenge, though, because as you know, many people don't have that choice. They go and sign up with a domain sponsor or with uh, even with direct feeds from Overture or Google or, or sign up for these things, and the linguistic engines are breaking apart the word and putting the ads that are relevant to that particular industry, per se, and not specific to the actual domain name that's being typed in. Well, I think that the domain owner has to be alert, and I think if they contact the, um, the sponsor, the, you know, the, the pay-per-click service, I think that they would find a lot of a lot of support in modifying the links that appear. Oh, I think I, that's I, what needs to be done. It oh, I know that's what needs to be done. It's just, um, it's just a. Uh, I know it's challenging because a lot of people like, you know, a lot of people like the, hey, I'm I'm going to turn the names on. I'm going to leave it to a domain sponsor to optimize it. I'm going to, you know, or or to another pay per click provider. And I want my life easy. You know, I, I don't have to worry about this stuff. Now, little do they know that this could come up as a complication in their life. That they could actually be sued or have a case uh, presented to them because there are links that are being provided based off of a particular brand or identity or keyword in that in that domain name that are infringing or confusingly similar to um, you know a company's mark. It happens every day. It happens and every day, right. And as a matter of fact, ironically, I had a, I had a Best Western contact uh, us uh, the other day. So this domain name, there's a particular domain name that used to be at Moniker that had um, something to do with Best, Best Western. And the paralegal got on, and then she got her the main attorney on for Best Western. And they're saying, you know, this is going to change. We are going to, this, this type of, of, of PPC um, process is going to change. If we didn't pay to have this ad up or any ads up for our company, what makes you think that that, that our client is going to stand by and let a competitive, uh, uh, you know, hotel display their links when somebody's trying to look for Best Western? Well, the interesting thing is that uh, there was this case um, with Geico and you know with Google and Geico. Right, right. I remember that. Geico sued Google because Google was apparently allowing Geico's competitors to bid on the term Geico. Right, and they won. They won. The federal court held, well, Google won. Yeah, Google won. The federal court held that this did not constitute trademark infringement. But I got to believe that there are going to be some laws coming down in the future that are going to make this sort of thing, to a certain degree, um, a violation. Perhaps, perhaps not. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, Burger King opening up next to McDonald's, but it's a little different. Yeah, it's like like putting Burger King next to McDonald's, but they're putting a McDonald's sign on their sign. Exactly. Right. So I got to believe that something's going to change in this area, and you know we—I don't think we've seen the end of the you know the Geico Google um, the Geico Google issue. I'm not sure what is the right result here, but the point is is that if Google is permitted to sell ads to Selective Insurance, for example, for people who you know for people you know Selective can bid on the term Geico. Why is it any different than somebody with a you know the domain name Select? You know, uh, selective.com putting up ads for Geico or whatever. Right, right. So I think we're going to see some uh, some uh, development in this area over the next year or so.
yeah, definitely. As the, case, as the case law develops. But in the meantime, yeah, domain name owners have to be very, very aware of what links are appearing at their websites, particularly if their domain names are valuable common word domain names worth protecting. And if you have a name like apples.com and it's putting up computers, you may want to contact your um, pay-per-click partner and let them know and at least be on record as raising the issue. So if you ever have a problem, you can at least argue, hey, I tried. This is not my problem. I think just kind of turning the other way and saying, hey, not my problem is not good enough. I think right. you need to do something about it. Right. I know well, that from experience because I had a case dealing with a domain name Flamingo.com where there were links for the Flamingo Hotel. And unfortunately, we lost that case in a UDRP action, notwithstanding the fact that I thought I argued pretty well that, hey, there's a, there's a hundred hotels in the world called Flamingo in the same area. And the fact that we weren't responsible for those ads appearing, they, they were, you know, auto-generated. And we had that evidence in there, but it was irrelevant. Oh, wow. Yeah, we lost that. It was a very valuable domain, as you can imagine. Hey, Ari, um, I'm going to ask you to stay on just for a little bit longer, if that's okay. Uh, no we're going to take a, a small commercial break. But when I come back, I'd like to talk about um, maybe, maybe how people can get indemnification clauses put in. Um, with their PPC provider so that, that in case this does come up, that they're held harmless, like the end user, the publisher is held harmless, and they can be released from such, you know, kind of damages if that, if that occurs. Okay. Okay. Uh, hold on for just a couple minutes. Are you ready to optimize your website's full potential? Well, it's all about positioning. Trusted by search engines for delivering clean and optimized content pages for customers. The trusted feeds industry pioneers at Position Technologies will help you build a solid foundation for creating long-term impact on you and your customers' bottom line. So visit PositionTechnologies.com today and look forward to achieving new heights within the search engines. Over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective Content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Study show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well-written, informative content. High-quality content also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearchMedia.com today. Contrary to what your mother told you, you cannot be all things to all people. You can, however, focus on your primary business and ensure your success by outsourcing technical projects to a company who is forward-thinking, solutions-oriented, and works as a complete extension of your organization. No need to do it over and over again. SRK Consulting can develop integrated automation programs, programming in most major languages and operating systems. SRKConsulting.com, making sure your mother is always proud. Commercials off. Now back to Domain Masters. And we're back. Um, Ari, so picking up where we left off before the commercial break, um, is it possible, is it unheard of, or has it been done before, where you can you can ask your PPC provider to hold you harmless in case that's something like this comes up? Is there a way to protect yourself well, if, I, if the I, traffic's out of your control? I think that's highly unlikely. Um, I think in many, many cases it's going to be the other way around. The uh, pay-per-click provider is going to want the indemnification. Even though they're the ones serving the, and doing the mapping of the domain name and serving the ad and, and all that, and that's out of your control, they're going to hold, they're going to hold the domainer liable for such a case like that. Well, I think they're going to require that the domain, the, the domainer be responsible. It's a, good, it's a good point, but to date, 
I think in many, many cases, it's the pay-per-click provider that, you know, wears the bigger pants. All right. And well, perhaps we'll be the first to try to lock right. that, I mean, he, lock that he, law in. <laughs> you know, good luck. I mean, you know, they have, you know, they have, they, they have the power, so they, they draft the contracts, and uh, they want the, I, I think uh, a, you know, an easier solution might be to require that, you know, where you have a situation where the, the, where the links are improper, that, the, uh, that they get modified, that a filter be created. Mm-hmm. But I think that both the domain owner and the pay-per-click provider kind of want to turn a blind eye to it because everybody makes money off of it. Right. And that's a what I was going to say. There's probably a lot of money. I mean, maybe those particular links are the highest-paid links, and then you, you have a revenue loss situation if, you, if you're screening it for you. I mean, a lot of cases, you know, what's the harm? It's similar to the Geico Google um, situation. It would be nice to get a case where Geico Google is applied in the domain sphere. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see one of those decisions in the near future. I may have one myself. Okay, great. Well, before we move on to the next point, I want to answer some of the questions that are popping up on the, sure. on the chat. Um, one, um, I think it was Top Names, was asking, have you ever been involved in a case where, uh, and, and I'm sure you have, that the trademark holder filed, uh, for, you know, and won financial damages um, based off of a trademark violation in, in a domain name case? Financial damages, yeah. I mean, it happens in a federal, you know, that, that would happen in a court case, not never in a UDRP case. But, ge- you know, generally these cases have been settled. Right, a lot of them have been settled. I mean, going back into the case that we were involved in, uh, there was financial damages uh, or financial settlement in that case without getting exactly. into details. But right, world- but I'm not aware of any case where, where, well, there are cases where damages have been awarded, particularly under the Anti-Cyber-Squatting Consumer Protection Act. I think that's a greater worry than any type of a- a- actual damages are the statutory damages, which provide up to $100,000. Now explain how one would win that particular those up to that amount of damage just just so the, we educate the, the community. The, the judge has the discretion to award as a penalty up to $100,000 per domain name. Simple as that. It doesn't have to be actual damages. The stat the statute simply provides um, for $100,000 in dam- up to $100,000 in damages. Wow. Okay, so so the judge can just come along and say, hey, and and on top of you know losing the domain name, you're you're going to be you're going to be hit with you know this penalty exactly, and that's a real good reason for why domain name owners should not be so brazen when they're sued in federal court, and it's also a reason why if you lose a domain name case at WIPO, not to jump and file a case in court, thinking, for example, that you're going to buy time. Oh, I see. You know, maybe you know this name is making me a hundred bucks a day. I'm just going to file a case in federal court because what do I got to lose? I'm only going to lose a domain name. You know, if I can drag this out for another year, I'm going to make a hundred bucks a day. That's good money to me. Well, the problem is that you run the risk of, you know, getting a a uh, hundred thousand dollar judgment against you. Right. Right. Under right. the ACPA. Okay, the other, the other thing that uh, we want to cover is um, uh, when I had Stephen Lieberman on, he gave some really good ideas on how to, you know, some, some key things about incorporating yourself to protect you from, um, you know, just, uh, just basic legal advice about how to form the best type of corporation when you're involved with domain names and your own domain names. I mean, as, as we know, uh, a lot of the big domain name holders have offshore companies and hold their domain names outside the United States, and perhaps you can give some insight and some um, legal advice about the best way to protect yourself or or to um, establish yourself um, with a domain portfolio that um, you know gives you the best legal protection if it if well, anything arises. Well, you know, to tell you the truth, I I'm not I never advise 
for people to kind of run and hide. Because one of the things that, do, that, that that does is it immediately creates the impression that you're illegitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of big domain holders, or, or that you don't like to pay taxes. <laughs> well, no, I mean, if you're a, listen, if you're if you're a domain holder in the U.S., you can't avoid taxes by setting up a corporation overseas. Right, that's right. going to be a tough thing to do. Um, if you are overseas, though, then you know it certainly makes sense. Why you know why should you set up in the U.S.? There's no there's no real good reason for doing that. But let me just say that I'm not a tax attorney, so I'm not going to give any advice. Um, that uh, would have it, you know. That no one should rely on my advice with respect to, to tax, and uh, as far as far as setting up overseas, I don't have I don't expert, have expertise there. Best to speak to a um, tax attorney or an accountant. Um, but like I said, I think there's something to be said for being set up in the U.S. It looks it looks legitimate. It looks like you have nothing to hide if you are a U.S. business. It does make sense to set up as a corporation, so you don't have personal liability. No question about it. And it may also make sense to set up your domain names under different corporations. So if you get hit um, on one domain name, you're not hit on the other domain names. Right, right. So they can but say, I, hey, I, I really don't recommend you know set, setting yourself up in a foreign land um, for no other reason than to, than to hide. Because ultimately, you will be subject to, if you're doing, if, if, if you're doing business in the U.S., pay-per-click, for example, you'll be subject to litigation here. If um, Even if they can't serve you overseas, they can always sue the domain name in Virginia. They can come against you where the, where the registry is located under the in-rem provisions of the Anti-Cyber Squad and Consumer Protection Act. But, uh, you know, Establishment of corporations is not really an area that I specialize in. I'm more of a litigator as opposed to a transactional attorney. All right. Okay. Well, let's move on uh, to uh, domains held hostage. Um, explain explain the issues regarding these uh, these problems with the right. Admin. This is actually an issue that's less one for you know the domain owner or the term I affectionately use, domain hoarder crowd. Um, this is more of an issue for small businesses. I'm getting more and more calls these days from people who tell me, hey, you know, I have this domain name that, uh, that uh, I had an employee that knew about the Internet, and I asked him to register the domain name for me, and he registered in his name, and he was the administrative contact. And yeah, it happens all the time. All the time. We've had it falling apart, and now he controls the domain name. And the domain owner doesn't have a trademark for the domain name, so they can't really use the UDRP to get that domain name back. It's a very sticky issue. I've got a bunch of cases dealing with it right now. And, you know, the simple bit of advice I have is, you know, be your own administrative contact. Don't let anybody else do it. It's amazing to me how many even large companies are not the administrative contact for the domain name. They let their web designer, they let their web host be the admin contact. So, yeah. Check your domain names. Make sure you're the admin contact. Monty, you know this better than I. Make sure that, that the email address, the domain name associated with your admin contact is up to date and paid up. Otherwise, you're going to find that you can lose control of that domain name. But it's an interesting issue, and that's an issue where I think um, there needs to be some law. All the laws dealing with domain, with domain names deal in trademark. If you have a trademark, you can do anything. You can file a UDRP action. You can file a federal court action. Hey, I have a trademark for that domain name. I want that domain name. Court says, fine, you got it, unless there's some good defenses. But what about the guy who registered a domain name? He's paid, paid it up over five years, 
good. He's been using it as a business. Doesn't have a trademark. And then all of a sudden, he wakes up in the morning and finds out that domain name's registered to someone else because they hacked in and stole the name. Right, right. What do you do? There's nothing. There's no specific law that protects that ownership of that domain name. Uh, I mean, you could use other laws like theft and trespass and conversion, but there's not a specific law that says you're the owner of this domain name and we have some protection for you. The registrar really has no liability because they're, they're, they're protected because, you know, what can the registrar do? The registrar essentially, you know, uses the administrative contact address as the authorization, of, as the authorization for transfer of the domain name. If the admin contact approves it, fine, it's done, the name gets transferred. Right. So there's nothing protecting that former owner, and you know perhaps that you know there'll, there'll be some laws that will do that down the road. But there's really no lobbying organization for the domain owner. That's the problem. There is one for trademark owners. Right. Well, uh, as you know, at Moniker, we we have uh, mechanisms in place uh, not to give ourselves another plug, but we prevent that uh, occurrence from even happening from a registrar standpoint, so that that, uh, right, that sure. former owner can't even pull that name out. That's so uh, it's really important to because it's a problem on the back end trying to get the domain back once it's happened. Try to prevent it before that happens. By yeah, I mean, you know, as you know, there's, there's there's registrars out there that are very receptive to this issue, and there's others that turn a blind eye, which exactly. is surprising because, you know, um, it's not it's not in the long term interest of the registrar. You, you know, you you should protect your domain owners. Exactly. And it's good that you guys do that. There's there there are a number of of them out there that are great. You know, that will look into the facts and say, you know, obviously this domain name was stolen, but there are a lot of others that won't, and that that's unfortunate. And there have been some real egregious cases of domain theft in the past few years and there's there's really nothing out there to protect that the owner right right definitely um how about title to domains um how do how do you make sure that a person that you're buying a domain name from is truly the owner and that they receive the domain name um in proper you know proper legal format right there's not a you know unlike you know when you buy when you buy uh real estate you do a title search, and you can get title insurance, and you can find out who was the owner of that house. You can't, you know, you're not going to buy a house from someone who just happened to be parked in front of it and says, here's my house, like, I'll sell it to you for, you know, $100,000, and you, you pay them, and you find out they weren't the owner. But that can help, that can happen with domain names, um, and it happens all the time. Someone hacks in, steals the domain name, and does a quick sale. There have probably been dozens of these situations happening over the past couple of years. How do you know that the person t- that you're buying the domain name is actually the owner, isn't a for, isn't an employee of the owner, for example, mm-hmm. isn't someone who stole the domain name. Which is, ha- you know, like you said, it's happening all it over the place. happens all the time. God, it's terrible. So, you know, there are a number of things you can do. And I, 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 think, one, I think without, uh, you know, forgive me for plugging myself or plugging attorneys, but I think it does make sense in this situation. If you're buying a domain name, go to an attorney, pass that research off to someone else. But you can do a little bit of the research on your own. You know, first of all, ask some questions. You know, how'd you get the domain name? How long have you had it? Um, right. Do you have who proof, is of, proof, proof of ownership? Who is source is a fantastic service. They they provide historic who is. Take a look at the old who is records. Have there been thirty changes in the domain name over the past two weeks? That might give you a clue. Right. Bouncing um, around registrars. Uh, do you have proof of ownership? Can you show exactly. a receipt? You know, exactly. You, yeah. Take a look. You know, just do a little research on the company. Go to archive.org. See what used to be at the website. Was right. there some company that's no longer there? Look at the email addresses. Um, have a good contract that has representations and warranties that represents and warrants that this domain name, you know, you, that, the, that the person selling it has the authority, that they control the admin contact. Just, you know, all of these different things can really help. 
contact the previous if 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 the name has changed hands within the past couple of years. Contact the prior owner. I represent represented someone uh, in a purchase of a domain name for about two hundred fifty thousand dollars earlier in early two thousand four. We checked with the old owner. We wanted to make hundred percent sure that we were you know paying for a domain name right. that. That, that was truly owned by the person selling it to us. So, you know, be very cautious, ask questions, use your research tools, who is source, archive.org. Um, right, that Wayback Machine's a great... Uh, Wayback Machine's fantastic. Yeah, it's a great it's a great tool. If you go to archive.org, go to the Wayback Machine, you can see what... You can see all pages and content on our website from years ago. Exactly, so it's it a phenomenal tool. And... Uh, Alexa.com is good as well because Alexa shows, shows, shows a very, goes very goes way back to give you the ownership inform, information of a domain name. So do those things and, 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 and you can feel somewhat safe. And having the contract is good too. Don't just go buy a domain name and do it without a contract. I've heard of people buying names with cash and you have no record whatsoever. That's not going to look good when the old owner comes looking to you um, saying that you know you knew what you were doing when you bought this domain name get a contract at least it'll 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 go a long way to protecting you in the event you're challenged in court down the road right definitely one thing we do at moniker when we do the escrow and change of ownerships for our customers and people that are buying domain names is uh we actually hold the domain name um not in escrow we let the new owner have it but that domain name does not leave us for 60 days just ensure that um that the transaction is legal well before you know we do a lot of the checks before then and then afterwards we we make sure that you know especially if the if the domain name was bought with a credit card for instance so they can't do a chargeback. Um, those types of things to protect both buyer and seller uh, before they want to transfer the domain name out. So it's for it's for the benefit of both buyer and seller to make sure that there's a clean transaction. So that's what everybody wants. There's a lot of domain traders uh, that are online right now and that are listening to the show. So it's really important while you're trading domain names back and forth that you you get a hold of uh, a good transaction. And uh, if you need to look at a you know you need to, to to use an attorney, go to Ari, go to John Berryhill, go to those guys. Uh, they're experts in it. Uh, we do. A good job of it as well. We use these guys as well, and so it's a it's a it's a great resource. Yeah, go anywhere. Just protect yourself and uh, take the time. I and I know that you know when, when there's a really good domain deal that you're looking at, you want to, you want to get it done before somebody else gets it. Right. So there, there's that risk too. I mean, I've I've been involved in transactions where we've lost deals or we had contracts sitting on the table, and the, and, and another buyer who was less conservative than us has said, you know, I'll wire the money right into your bank account. So it's it's a trade off. You know, you, you you want to protect yourself. You need to act quick as well. Right. Um, do both those things. Using a service like Moniker, that sounds fantastic. I don't you know I don't overplug you, but it, it does. That's a that's a terrific tool where you're where you're holding that name for sixty days. So if anything goes goes crazy. It, the name's not going anywhere, right? And we have the ability to pull it back out, you know, and put it back to right. the owner's name if there's a problem. Right. So it's uh, it's protection. It's an extra step that we do and we take. So uh, it's it's just something that works, right? Well, Ari, that's it. Was really great having you on board. Fantastic. Um, hey, listen. Uh, hey, make sure everybody who's listening, if you need any kind of legal advice, any kind of uh, domain ownership uh, help, any kind of um, any kind of decision cases with UDRP, WIPO, trademarks, go to Esquire dot uh, com. That's E S Q Wire dot com. And yeah, Ari. I'm always, I'm always happy to talk to you. There's never a charge just to, to, uh, to, to listen to, to listen to your story and get some advice. Get from some me. advice. So it's Ari A R A R I at Esquire dot com. Ari at Esquire dot com. That's, That's great. great. Well, thank you very much for having. Bonnie, uh, thanks for so much. Thanks time. to all the listeners out there. This is a really, uh, really neat uh, sort of program, and uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always available if you want to want to give me a holler and. Uh, 
and uh, have me join the show. Monty, thanks so much. Hey, cool. Good luck. Hey, my pleasure. Uh, take, care. take care. Thank you. Okay, okay uh, stay online. We're going to have uh, Ron Jackson up. We're going to cover what's been going on since the beginning of the year with domain sales, talk about a little bit about the GoDaddy ad, and uh, maybe on the other side of GoDaddy, what they're doing with yanking domain names off of, uh, off of live web pages due to spam complaints, and uh, talk about the women of the web a little bit. Stay tuned. We'll uh, break for commercial. Attention webmasters. Wish you could convert more web traffic into cash? No need to rub a lamp. Just click on genienose.com. Install a co-branded search box on your site or incorporate paid listings XML into search results. And at your command, genienose.com pays cash for each result your users click on. Enjoy prompt payment and superior customer service. Earn even more through our co-branded referral program. Genie knows how to deliver results. G-E-N-I-E-K-N-O-W-S.com. Sponsor of the Webmaster World. Unlock the adventure. Your key to the hottest games on the net. From Ultima Online to Dark Age of Camelot is here. Introducing Duocash. Duocash. Available wherever prepaid calling cards are sold or online at duocash.com. Enjoy instant access to the ultimate internet gaming excitement. Anywhere you see paybycash.com or Duocash. No credit card or bank account required. Game merchants and webmasters, get your game on. Don't leave money on the table except Duocash. Sign up today for the official prepaid game card. Of the internet. More and more women are experiencing amazing pleasures, enjoying playful chocolates from PlayfulCash.com. All natural gourmet Colombian treats that are simply sinful. As a PlayfulCash.com affiliate, you'll enjoy weekly payouts up to 50% on all sales of these trademark and patented products. Multiple payout options, 5% referral fees, and private labeling available. Isn't life sweet when playful is highly profitable? For more money-making info, visit PlayfulCash.com today. Commercials off. Now back to Domain Masters. Hey folks, welcome back to Domain Masters, and uh, thanks again to Ari uh, Goldberger. That was uh, that was a great uh, use of time and a lot of valuable information about what's been going on from a legal standpoint with uh, the reverse hijacking cases and some of the other um, legal issues. Uh, every time we have uh, one of the domain legal experts online, we learn something new every day about what's going on, how to protect your assets, and uh, that's why we we like to have them on the show. Um, joining me right now is Ron Jackson. Everybody knows Ron, uh, uh, John, uh, uh, or Ron. Um, um, is in charge of the domain name journal and uh, has a, a great industry rag in our industry that uh, tells everybody about what's been going on in domain name sales. Some of the some of the key people in the web that are helping drive uh, new standards in the domain industry, uh, and um, it's a great size site uh, from a resource standpoint to go and check in what's going on with the industry. How you doing, Ron? I'm doing great. How are you tonight? Well, welcome back. I know we've had you on a couple times, and um, it's always great to talk to you because you're certainly on the press side, uh, the man in the know, and uh, you have some great uh, some great uh, cover stories, and I wanted to talk to you about the latest cover story you just came out with. I guess, what, was it yesterday or Monday? Um, we actually, yes, came out uh, late Sunday night, so most people picked it up on Monday morning, and that uh, is titled, Women Wanted, Our Role Models Rock, But the Business Needs More Recruits, and something I noticed from the time that I came in the business, and it's frequently commented on in the forums, 
is that we don't have a lot of women in this industry. Yeah, that's true. And and I wanted to find out kind of why that was. And uh, the women that we talked to all tend to agree that technology is kind of a guy thing. And, you know, a lot of the women just aren't into that. Um, but we talked to three different ladies who are very successful in three distinctly different areas. And I thought by doing that, that other women who read their stories uh, would find out a lot about the opportunities that are out there and see how these women have succeeded and hopefully will uh, bring some more interest to, to that um, to that gender into our industry because I think they bring a lot to the table. Yeah, definitely. And I think that there are a little bit more women in, in, in our space, but they don't, uh, they're definitely not well known. And so uh, maybe, maybe they'll come out of the closet a little bit and well, show I, themselves to us. I hope so. <laughs> well, that's great. So, so the three women that you um, that you highlighted in your article, uh, Donna Mahoney, Marshall Lynn Walker, and uh, Michelle Miller, I know uh, um, two of those, two out of three of those uh, very well, and uh, they obviously, um, uh, Michelle uh, is now, uh, I think, the COO for Biodomains. That's correct. Uh, and uh, Marshall Lynn Walker's been in the domain name uh, business for quite a while. Uh, when I first joined Rick Schwartz board, um, I don't know, it was about four, three, four years ago, she was heavily involved in domain names and has been very, very successful in it. Marcia represents the developers, and uh, Michelle is a corporate executive, and Donna Mahoney represented um, that uh, faction of the business that works in the pay-per-click area. And so they're in three totally different areas, and they've all had great success, and I, I found, and they all came from very different backgrounds as well. So it's really interesting to see how they started from different places, and but all arrived in the same place, which is like at the top of the hill by the time they were done. Yeah, definitely. So uh, everybody should go to the cover story on DomainNameJournal.com and read about these uh, the, the women of the web because uh, it's, it's it's inspiring to see that um, there's not just us out there but there's uh, people of all types and women are doing what we're doing and they're successful at it and it's great um, it's uh, fantastic to see everybody in, involved uh, what's been going on in the domain sales front since the beginning of the year we spoke I think the first week in January on the air and um, I guess there's uh, quite a pickup in domain sales and average sale prices uh, tell me tell us what uh, what you've seen so far right I think the most important trend that we've seen we're now five weeks into the new year and when I looked at it at the end of January we last um, at, for the year 2004 we had just over 300 sales reported to us that were in five figures so that averaged out to about 25 a month. So after the first month of 2005, I noticed that we'd already had 37 sales at the five-figure level reported. So that's a 50% jump in those high-ticket sales. And again, that's just what's reported. Honestly, I think we all know that the lion's share of sales aren't even reported. So this is just a sampling. But this sampling gives us an idea of what's going on in the overall marketplace. And when you look at the new TLD charts, the same thing we're seeing about on that particular chart, we track sales $1,000 and up, and we're about a 50% increase over what we averaged per month in 2004. So 2004 was a great turnaround year that we were all really excited about, and 2005, we're off to even a, a better break out of the gate. Right, and like you said, it's um, although you can't really correlate it directly to what's really going on in the industry, it certainly does show some enlightening um, some enlightening effects, and uh, you know, obviously there's companies like ours that can't report hardly anything that we sell, Right. but uh, when we do have 
have the chance, we do we do like to do that to help set some of the industry standards and make sure that um, make sure that uh, people do know that there's some large transactions occurring and some of the ones that are not confidential. But there's a lot more confidential deals out there than are than there are. Um, I mean, there's a lot more confidential deals out there than there are non-confidential deals uh, out there, in my opinion. And those are usually your higher ticket sales, also. So it would be even more impressive if we could put those out there. But those are the ones that um, generally don't make it out. Yeah, definitely. Um, regarding, um, um, well, we had quite a uh, quite a week in uh, in uh, some some first. Uh, first of all, I guess the uh, first Super Bowl ad that's ever run from a domain uh, company uh, happened over the Super Bowl. GoDaddy um, had uh, had a Super Bowl ad this week. What uh, what's been the general feedback on that so far? Well, I just um, saw that they're they are saying their traffic went off the chart. And I noticed the site was slower than usual too. They, they, a lot, it did bring a lot of people to their site, uh, and of course, that kind of exposure has got to be great for all of us in the industry. As more people come in and realize what domains are, register some of their own. It, it'll be interesting. I'm not even sure if they'll release the figures or not, but I'm curious to know how much of a spike it's going to have in terms of actual registrations um, as a public relations move, they got so much mileage out of that beyond the 30-second commercial, and it, to me, it was really a godsend for them that Fox pulled the second running of that spot out. They only let it run once, but that just made more news, so now all of a sudden you're in Newsweek, the New York Times, every newspaper in the country because you had a spot pulled, so naturally people want to know, gee, what was that that got pulled? So they go to the website, and then GoDaddy, being the smart marketers that they are, have that available for you to see there. Right. So they're getting a ton of mileage out of their, their uh, $2 million-plus investment. Hey, Ron, hold on just a second. We have a message from the producer about some uh, technical issues yeah, that are happening. A b- bunch of people just dropped out of the chat room, and it uh, looked like there was a net split there. You guys could try and jump jump back into the chat room. Just add a number to the end of your name that you were logged in with, and that should help you guys be able to jump back onto the, into the chat room. Otherwise, go to the front of the site, and there's IRC information on how to jump in with an IRC client. All right, great. Thank you. Um, yeah, they uh, definitely has spun this thing well before and is still spinning it well after trying to find out, you know, how they got didn't get the second spot pulled and, you know, what the real issue is. I just read today that the that the GoDaddy girl that was on the commercial is going to be on Howard Stern, and so they're they're really rocking it up. On the on the downside, uh, I just uh, I've been hearing all over the place they're just cutting off uh, domain names and shutting them down uh, uh, due to uh, if anybody has a spam complaint, they're just shutting down domain names that are. GoDaddy. It's really becoming a major issue. We have all kinds of people contacting us, and I'm sure they're contacting other registrars to get their names out of there, because whether the spam complaint's valid or not, they're just shutting down websites and taking domain names out of people's accounts. It's really bad. I've been reading about that, and it's a very scary situation. I actually personally had a situation happen to me, not with the registrar, but with a host. Someone was uh, spoofing our email address, and so people thought that we were spamming. We we don't send uh, an email to anyone. So, you know, unsolicited at all. We don't even send out a newsletter. Right. But someone, for whatever reason, spoofed that, and our host actually went in and took us offline. Uh, fortunately, I was able to get to the president of the company and put us back up. But this stuff where they're, uh, you know, executing someone uh, before they see any evidence is, is just a very frightening thing. Yeah, it's definitely scary. So if uh, people are having problems out there, uh, you know, contact us. We'll help. Or, you know, contact another registrar. I'm sure they'll be happy. Happy to take your business if you're just being shut down like that. Um, regarding another big announcement today, I guess uh, Marchex actually announced their um, their secondary offering for the big.
big domain purchase they made from the uh, Ultimate Search portfolio. Uh, I don't know if you saw the news on that yet. Uh, it goes out. The official, I guess, change of ownership is going to happen here at Moniker at, uh, on the 14th of, uh, of G- uh, February. So that's going to be a very large transaction and uh, the, the first one of its kind uh, where a whole domain portfolio was purchased for $167 million. bucks. they're getting that out there quickly. They had a window where they could have backed out of that deal, I think, that extended well into late spring. And a lot of people wondered if they would be able to get that uh, financing together. But it looks like that all came together very quickly, much more quickly, I think, than a lot of people anticipated. Yeah, and uh, like we've said in, in several of the shows before, uh, it's definitely not going to be the first deal that happens like that. Uh, and uh, it's party, probably part of the reasons why some of the domain values have gone up quite a bit. People are really evaluating their traffic domains a lot differently than they did probably prior to the sale. And uh, that's actually a good sign for the industry. It gives us a litmus test of uh, what everybody's been called crazy for doing all these years by buying and investing in domain names. And it turns out these things are actually really valuable. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think we're in for a really exciting year. All, all the indications are pointing that way. So uh, it's going to be really, really fun at this time next year to look back on 2005 and see how much further along we've come. Oh, definitely. What are some of the other things that um, that you've heard about over the last, uh, you know, ever since the beginning of the year that are worth mentioning um, to well, the, to the thing, public? You had Arian, who was just a great guest, and um, I almost didn't want to come on because I didn't want him to go off. He's really <laughs> fascinating. And in his case, uh, the mess.com case was just one of two in January uh, that were major reverse hijacking decisions. We had articles on both of them. Um, the other one was kiwi.com. You had Stephen uh, Lieberman, Lieberman on right, a few right. weeks back. I don't know if you had an opportunity uh, or even if the news was out at the point he was on about kiwi.com. But the uh, kiwi shoe polish people uh, came after Future Media Architects, which is owned by Eloqua, who I know you're going to have us on as a guest one day. Yeah, he should be on actually next week. Uh, right. So they tried to take kiwi.com, uh, which is a generic term, away from him. They're part of a major corporation, Sarah Lee Corporation, owns Kiwi Shoe Polish. But Stephen successfully defended that, not only defended it, but the panel ruled that they, in fact, were attempting a reverse hijacking to take that uh, donate domain away from him, and they lost that case. So to me, it's very encouraging because uh, several of our experts in, in the year-end wrap-up we did, uh, where we did predictions about 2005, said one thing they expected to see was a, a big uptick in litigation this year because of the increasing value of domains. It's going to tempt more of these people to come after them. So, you know, that puts a, a lot of domain owners in a precarious position. So to me, it's a great to see these decisions where people who are overstepping their rights and trying to take away domains they're not entitled to are not only losing, but being branded as reverse domain hijackers. So if they come back to the system again, that label is going to stick with them. It's going to be much tougher for them to win future cases. So I hope that's going to make a lot of them think twice before they take actions that they really shouldn't be taking. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, and the other point that Ari brought up, which is, you know, kind of a, it's kind of a scary uh, issue that I know that a lot of people are going to be talking about is this whole thing about the the uh, the trademark holders um, filing complaints against domain owners because of PPC landing pages and as you know and I you know we talked about this at length just a little bit earlier but you know most people that use uh, PPC providers you know such as a domain sponsor or Google or, or Overture or, or the partners like that even fabulous they can't generally control what shows up on those on those pay-per-click pages and and I'm starting to hear more from the corporation side that they're getting kind of pissed that you know uh, competitors are showing up when their brands are being typed in and so on and so forth and it's um, you know I think that what we need to do is all work together and set some precedents in this area and uh, make sure 
that we um, become not liable for such actions because we're not the one doing the feeds. Um, you know, those of us that have PPC pages running, that the PPC provider needs to be responsible for that and um, and hold us harmless. And uh, I think we're going to try to make the first attempt to make that work. That could certainly develop into one of the stories of 2005. It would be a, a good request for a guest for you to bring in a Ron Sheridan from Domain Sponsor or a Dan Warner from Fabulous and and um, see what these guys think about that and, and maybe what they can do to um, help avoid a big problem there. Yeah, definitely, because it. Uh, I can tell you a lot of corporations are going to be probably trying and uh, testing the, the legal area, um, you know, this in a legal area, and spending some money on it because uh, I'm starting to see more and more um, uh, ruckus about it, that's for sure. Right. There's one other piece of news that came out this week that I think is interesting. The, um, you know, a lot of domain owners use uh, proxy registration services mm-hmm. so that their actual contact details don't show up on the public who is. A lot of times, you know, they'll do that for legitimate reasons. They don't want their data uh, harvested and then you know, be the t- uh, subject of, you know, spam or phone calls. They don't want that sort of thing. But on the other hand, other people will use it for the wrong reason. Right. And the Department of Commerce decided that they did not want proxy who is information used for the .us registry. So uh, Enom and a lot of the other registrars are having to notify their clients now that that service is not going to be available any longer. If you uh, This is only for .us at this point in time. If you already have the service, you're okay until it runs out. But as of January of 2006, that's going to be gone, and the .us registry is going to require that you have accurate who is data uh, on that public record. And I'm hearing a lot of rumors that that's just a step in another process where they're going to be going through their database and taking a very close look at whether or not the registrants are meeting the nexus requirements for .us. You've got to have be a U.S. citizen or have a, a legitimate business interest here. So uh, I do know there's a lot of uh, high-value names that are owned by entities overseas that may not meet that nexus requirement. So that's a story that we may see uh, kind of blowing up here later in the year also. Yeah, that could be uh, that could be a little bit of a rock uh, <laughs> between a hard place uh, scenario because, um, you know, .us um, is not a preferred secondary extension. You know, they're, they're trying to, they've, they've attempted to do things to help boost their registrations and, um, you know, in a way, obviously, it's uh, legitimate if, um, if people are hiding behind that screen for illegitimate reasons uh, or illegal reasons, but many uh, customers, especially with, uh, at our provider, um, um, actually have legitimate reasons for, you know, for privacy protection right. and don't want to be spammed and don't want to be scammed, and uh, we, we filter all that stuff for them. And, um, you know, it's just going to make, in a way, it's going to make .us a less palatable um, address um, than others, and uh, in an era where um, all these other ancillary extensions, and especially .us is struggling a little bit um, with um, some of the newer extension, you know, the, the newer market share, um, it's, it's kind of a challenge, I think. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's a good and bad thing, I guess, that they have to follow that and that they want to try and force accurate who is. But on the other side, when you're trying to gain a little bit of market share as a as a country code extension in a world where .com, com is king, it's uh, going to make it a little bit harder. All right. Bringing up uh, on that topic where you're talking about the other uh, two options and new extensions, which are info and biz, uh, I wanted to go back to one point I was going to bring up where we were talking about sales trends this year. 
Uh, one of the most interesting trends to me in, in the new extension side is that in 2004.info dominated that space when you're comparing InfoBiz US. They had 72% of the sales above $1,000. But here in 2005, five weeks into the year, it's about a 50-50 split um, between Info and Biz on sales at that level. Info's had 11 reported in four figures, .biz 10, and .biz was nowhere near. They were really weren't even in the picture in 2004. So something seems to be happening there. It's a little early to say that's going to hold up all year, but so far uh, the signs are that it's maybe making some inroads with small businesses that um, haven't been able to afford the, the dot-coms with where they're going these days at very high prices. Right, right. That's a good That's a good point. Well, that's great, uh, Ron. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, and, uh, again, we'll have you back in, uh, in about a month or so and do another checkup and see how the industry's doing. Uh, again, for anybody that wants to get the latest and greatest news on um, on uh, on what's going on in our industry, please go visit dnjournal.com. It's a great place uh, to um, get uh, a lot of different stories about a lot of different thought leaders in our industry, get a um, get a, a, a taste for what's going on in the domain name sales market, and um, also there's a lot of great resources there as well. Just a couple other announcements. I know that many of you are waiting for the archives of, of these shows. Uh, they're coming, I promise. Uh, within two weeks, uh, we'll have them up on our site. We did hire transcription service, as I announced last time, and been posting on the boards. Um, every single archive will be transcribed and put in PDF uh, documents on our site as well. I do apologize for the delay. It's outside of our hands, and they're really working hard to get that done for us. Uh, also, we're going to be at SES this year uh, in uh, New York. It's going to be a great show. There's a lot of um, uh, that's the search engine strategy show uh, that Jupiter Media puts on. Uh, we're a sponsor, and we're going to have a booth there. We're, we're bringing out a new traffic um, uh, aggregation monetization product called Traffic Club, and uh, we're real excited about that. So if any of you are coming to New York coming to the show, stop by our booth. If we haven't met, uh, definitely look me up. I'll be there. My partner, Eric, will be there. Uh, Victor Pitts, our sales executive, will be there. And uh, um, a few other folks will be there as well. So we're excited to do that show um, as well. So next week, we hope to have uh, um, uh, uh Liqua, uh, on, the, on the line. Uh, he was supposed to be on this week, but he got stuck in London. And uh, we are real uh, thankful to have uh, both Ari and Ron on the show this week and another great show. And please join me next week, same time, same place, Domain Masters, where you are going to be the master of your domain. Take care and see you next week. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.